0: Hi, I am Joshua Hess, and this is The Art Sign Looking In, where I talk about all things autism. For the second full-length episode, I would like to talk about the history of autism, particularly the dark ages of autism. I will explain what defines this period and give some examples from my life during this time. The dark ages of autism began around 1972 with Geraldo Rivera's exposé, Willowbrook, The Last Great Disgrace. Willowbrook State School was a state-run institution for the education of individuals' with intellectual disabilities. Initially built for a maximum capacity of 4,000, Willowbrook quickly became overcrowded and underfunded. Children with disabilities of all kinds, including autism, were severely neglected and sexually abused. This story, and others like it, led to the closing of these institutions, and by the early 80s, the introduction of children with a greater range of disabilities to public schools. Unfortunately, public schools were already struggling to provide quality education due to the large class sizes caused by the post-World War II baby boom. Funds that would otherwise go to building additional schools were instead being spent on renovating existing schools to remove asbestos. These renovations caused one or more schools in the school district to be closed for an entire school year. This would continue for nearly a decade while school districts struggled to bring each school up to code. As a result, there was a lack of both the funds to develop the special education programs necessary to meet the needs of these new students and the facilities to accommodate these new programs. I recall attending a different school every year starting in the first or second grade and on through the 8th grade because of these renovations. Some years I would be transferred at the end of every quarter. The dark ages of autism would also be defined by the lack of understanding with regards to these new students and their conditions. Autism was new to educators and parents alike. Originally called childhood schizophrenia, autism carried with it the stigmas, real or popularized in cinema, of schizophrenia and other mental conditions. Parents did not know if the condition was contagious, if autism had violent traits, or if the education of such a creature would take away from their more deserving child. I remember not being allowed to participate in team sports in gym class because parents wrote notes demanding that their child not be exposed to me. Instead, I would run laps around the baseball fields or have to sit in an empty classroom. It was not uncommon to be locked away in what are called screen rooms, sometimes for the entire school day, or to not be allowed to touch books for fear that I would damage them or simply not be capable of understanding them. The desperate requests of concerned parents and the educator's shameful acquiescence to their demands resulted in what I call well-intentioned prejudice. There simply was no reliable source of information for a public forced to deal with something they had agreed to shut away and ignore. They were doing the best they could in a confusing and frightening situation. In the case of the children, their parents' confusion and fear manifested in bullying and violence. Walking in the hallways, I would be given a wide berth until it was time to hit me with a backpack or a fistful of books. Some days, walking between classes was like running the gauntlet. I was unable to take the bus as the other children would gather rocks to throw at me from the doors and windows of the bus should I dare to come close. Even the teachers seemed to join in as their overcrowding made them so distracted they would forget that I was locked in what was little more than an abandoned janitor's closet with wrestling mats bolted to the walls or still outside running laps in the rain. Efforts to defend myself from physical harm were treated as violence initiated by me and attempts to explain myself were met with a deaf ear or outright mocking by school staff. I recall an incident in the fifth grade where the class was told to write a paper on what they wanted to do that weekend. The concept of a personal want that wasn't driven by a sense of survival was so foreign to me that I simply did not know what to say. I had no idea how to write the paper. The teacher, instead of attempting to understand, screamed at me and told the class that if I did not finish my paper, none of them would go outside for recess, which of course turned the class into a chorus of hate. When I attempted to explain that I did not understand the assignment, the teacher stepped in front of my desk, grabbed me by both arms, and shook me while yelling something I could not understand. Then she put the pencil in my hand and pressed my face against the desk and told me to look at the paper until I figured it out. After a few seconds, I was able to break free from under her and push her away from me, causing her fingernails to cut my face as I slid from under her claw. When the story was retold to the principal, I was clearly at fault, despite the fact that one side of my face was bruised and the other was bleeding from three claw marks. But this was the state of things. We were an alien and frightening new race of people with no apparent redeeming qualities. We were the nutless essa, consuming valuable educators, depriving deserving children of an education, and putting promising lives in jeopardy and without a reliable source of information for parents and educators to combat their own ignorance, prejudice prevailed, and fostered bigotry and persecution that continues to this day. Thank you for listening to The Odd Side Looking In. Follow me on Facebook at The Odd Side Looking In where you can ask questions, hear about upcoming podcasts, and learn about autism groups and events near you.